Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast with your co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. Your eye is still out, but you know, we'll see him. We'll we'll not see him, but we'll hear from him probably our next podcast. Uh, Chris, uh, results of game one. Crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, we can just jump in right now. We're going to start off with some, some finals talk. Um, since it's the only basketball being played, really, <laughs> um, Phoenix obviously went up 1-0 a Pretty commanding victory. Wavered a little bit in that fourth quarter, but they, they dominated most of the second half. You mentioned before we started recording, CP3 was pretty dominant. 32 points. Looked right at home in his first NBA Finals game. Devin Booker had 26 of his own. Played quite a good game himself. And Phoenix's offense seemed to adapt pretty well to the different things. Milwaukee was able to throw at them defensively. Lucas... With Phoenix being up 1-0 now, do you think they are the clear favorites to, to win it all this year? Well, I, I know we lost that audio from our last podcast, but I'm going to say it again. I had them winning this thing in this finals. I had them winning this. I, I like CP3. I like the fact that he's a veteran. He can lead this young squad who has fresh legs. Well, fresher legs. Um, and I just I like Devin Booker and CP3 as closers more than I like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And Giannis is not a closer, and Giannis is not a hundred percent. So it's, I kind of, I'm feeling, you know, like I'm feeling the Suns right now. So yeah, I think they're the favorites. Yeah, ESPN posted a stat that said something like seventy-two percent of teams who have won Game One of the Finals have gone on to win it all. I think, um, I think six. That of sounds the last about seven, right. Six of the last seven Game One winners have won it all. So. Clearly, Phoenix has, has gotten off to a good head start here. Um, was that the 16 Cavs that, that, that broke that streak? Uh, I, I, I would assume so. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah, so obviously a good start for Phoenix. I, you mentioned last week, we kind of lost the last 20 minutes or so <laughs> in which we broke down the finals our predictions and everything. I said Bucks in seven. I'm going to stick with it even after game one, just because I'm an honest man. Uh, you know, any Bucks in seven prediction probably still involves Phoenix winning game one at home. I don't think this disqualifies Milwaukee by any, you know, any means. They, they played pretty solid defense. Like, statistically, the Bucks defense was not an issue last night. It was the offense that just really couldn't get going. Now, Phoenix, much like Milwaukee, is a very good 
defensive team. I would say the Suns' offense has been a bit more consistent than Milwaukee's offense this postseason. Uh, one of our questions on the agenda is what has to change for Milwaukee. I, I think the main thing is just getting Giannis more involved in the offense, finding ways to set him up for success. They kind of struggled with that a bit last night. Giannis still looked really good, returned earlier than I think both in you and I thought he would. We were both pretty mm-hmm. skeptical of him playing in game one. I think that surprised a lot of people. He looked really good last night. He showed no signs of of rust physically. He had that great LeBron-esque chase down block. So a lot of good stuff from Giannis. I think they just need to get him more involved and get him you know, back at the head of that offense where he belongs. Uh, but Lucas, obviously some very somber news was Dario Saric. Super Dario, no! Yeah, one of the most beloved process Sixers. Obviously, he's been the backup center for Phoenix all season. Tore his right ACL pretty early on in the game. Kind of landed awkwardly. Couldn't really jog back up and down the floor. Asked out. Anytime a guy lands funny and kind of can't walk after landing without stepping on someone's ankle you know it's kind of a concern it's kind of a red flag when it's a non-contact injury uh daria's had a pretty tough season as far as injuries and covid go so it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow obviously you and i both love dario quite a bit he's just a wonderful human being to have on your basketball team Uh, so hopefully phoenix does win it all he still gets a ring even if he's not gonna be able to play but pretty big bummer yeah, I agree. Um, we talked about it off the air. Um, they don't really have any uh, other options. Jalen Smith looked really raw this year. He only had maybe one good game. but He was battling injuries most of the year as well. He's not an option. Frank Kaminsky is going to lose you game in the final and not win you one. As much as we like Frank the Tank. And then, you, so you, you said uh, off the air, you said Torrey and Craig uh, getting more minutes. And that's probably what's going to happen to him. And Jay Crowder are going to play small ball five. The the Suns are going to give up some rebounding, but I mean to be fair, Dario's not a great rebounder either, so they're not losing that much. Um, I will yeah. say in, in in terms of adjustments for the Bucks, this is not a series for Brooke Lopez. He he does not do great in pick and roll defenses. It was, it was a miracle that he survived the Bucks. Uh, not the Bucks. The Bucks and the um, Bucks and the Hawks series as well. He's, well, uh, as he did. Oh, well, I, I would say it's the opposite because he was really good in the Hawks series, right? And Trey Young is probably one of the best pick and roll guards out there. Yeah, you but know, you know, CP3 is better than Trey Young at it at this point, and and because he does it, because like here's the thing, like CP3, he knows. And he he he's directing his teammates how to bit that beat that pick and roll every single time. And I'm not saying you know Trey Young's not a savant; he is. But there's a reason why Chris Paul is the point god. So I mean, so yeah. I, I I it is a different level of defense. And unless unless Budenholzer is going to be able to adjust, which I I mean, we'll see. Um. I, I I would like to see more Giannis at the five in this series. And I will say this. DeAndre Aiden did not do a terrible job on Giannis, I, I don't think. As good as you can expect. 
Um, but I would like to see more Giannis at the five. I think this is the, this is the time you you open that up and you just you embrace it. You got to embrace it. See if you can play Aiden off the court by either style play or by foul trouble. Play Giannis at the five if you're the Bucks. That's I think that's your go-to. Yeah, I, I, I agree and I disagree. I do think Giannis at the five with P.J. Tucker is going to be something they have to lean on a bit more this series. But at the end of the day, you really don't have a reliable backup five otherwise to Brooke Lopez. I mean, like Brooke Lopez Bob, is still, Bob, what, what about Bobby Portis? Bobby Portis is no more versatile defensively, frankly. He's not a better defender. Um, I, I mean, you Brooke still Lopez, got you got Tucker. I mean, he technically he plays center. I agree, but Milwaukee is not that deep a team, and I don't think you can survive not playing Lopez more than 20 minutes a night. He played 23 in game one. I think he's capable of still playing effective defense. Again, last night, the defense was not a problem for the Bucks. CP3 and Devin Booker had some strong nights, but, but overall, like the defensive rating was was pretty darn impressive. The Bucs just couldn't get anything going offensively. I, I think you have to trust Lopez. I mean, it sounds like the Sixers against the Hawks in the second round. In terms of the off... I mean, the Sixers held the Hawks to like 100 points in more games than not. Yes. Well, I agree, but I, I trust Milwaukee's offense more than I yeah, trust... I, yeah, 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 no, no, no. And I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, like, the Sixers struggled with how they were. They couldn't generate points in the second half of those, this at uh, the tail end of that series. Whereas the you know the Bucks, you know they have a little bit more. Uh, you, you know they got closers, Drew and Middleton, though inconsistent at times. But they can be closers. Where the Sixers, they had to rely on Joel Embiid to close games. Is that that's not going to work? Yeah, I mean, I think my main point here is that the defense. It's not perfect, but I think it's it worked. It's going to work. It's fine. I think offense is probably where they need to focus on, you know, in film sessions and in practice, just figuring out different ways to penetrate this Phoenix defense. Um, I mean, just hit open shots, too. That helps. That's been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a problem with Milwaukee in the past. It's just missing a lot of good looks. So if they can figure out the offense, I think the defense is, is fine. I think you can live with Brooke Lopez still playing 30 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to get played off the floor or anything. So, so can, I, can I, I think that's really where the focus has to be for the Bucks. Here, here's my thought on this. Why not pound it down the sun's throat? You got two really good post-up. Well, I mean, Giannis isn't a post-up player, but you know, he, he's a paint player. You have, Brooke Lopez, we can see what he can still do on occasion, not every single night, but he can do that. You know, then you got Drew Holiday, who's a really good post-up point guard, underrated on that guard. Middleton's a mid-range assassin. I think they they should try just pound it in, get fouls. I mean, I mean, I know they're the refs are going to let them play a little bit, but at some point, I mean, they're going to. That's what they always do, right? Is they get Giannis going downhill and they put. A I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Yeah, but I'm not saying. I'm saying like just even when you don't, when Giannis isn't getting the ball, still pound it in. You know, just have have everybody go in. Like I, I'm just, just pound, pound, pound because I feel like the Bucks settle too much for three pointers sometimes. 
Yeah, well, like, it, it, I mean, it's a slippery slope because you don't want them falling back on a bunch of tough, like, isolation, mid-range pull-up jumpers that are... I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but you got to find a better balance than what yeah. they have I mean, been. Phoenix is, uh, has a great room protector in DeAndre Ayton. They have a lot of versatile wing defenders, you know, Bridges, Crowder, Craig, Johnson, guys like that. So there, it's did, not... Did, did you know that regardless of who wins, Craig's going to get a ring this year? Fun yeah. side note, because he was on the Bucks to begin the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like I, I think that's easier said than done. Basically, though, as, as far as pounding it inside, Phoenix is pretty. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm an old school guy that likes pound pounding the ball inside. But yeah, like, you know. I don't think Brook Lopez post ups on whether it's Crowder or Aiden. I, I don't think that's the answer. Basically, I, I mean, if it's on Crowder, I, I would be okay with that. If it's on Aiden, that's. I mean, Aiden's proven to be. Can we say that Aiden's a top fifteen defensive big man, arguably top ten at this point, based on what he's showing in the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, easily top ten. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, probably five, six, seven, eight. That range, I would say. I would say so too, because you know, prior to the season, he was in the bottom fifteen. Uh, I mean, the you know, within the top thirty, but he was not known as a defender, and then. CP3 and Monty Williams finally getting him to buy in is such a big deal for the Suns team. And, you know, his regular season numbers were actually down from the previous two, his first two years in terms of points per game. But, like, his impact is much more felt, especially during the playoffs where all he's doing is getting looks at the rim and he's still averaging, what, like 20 and 13 Mm -hmm. or something? I, I don't know the exact stats, but I would assume it'd be something like that. I like like we said in the last podcast. I don't know was that part erased? I think it was, but I will say this. Obviously, Aiden wasn't the right choice for the number one pick for the Suns back in two thousand. What was it? Seventeen already feels longer. Um, but he's not a bust by any stretch of the imagination. And if it wasn't for Luca and Trey Young being in this draft, I, I think is is it safe to say that Aiden's the third best player in this draft? From the 2017 draft? Yeah, look, I, I've clowned... Or is it Phoenix. 18? Yeah, 18 I, draft. Sorry, my bad. I've clowned, I've clowned Phoenix as much as anyone for not taking Luka, but it, it's nice to see Aiden kind of break out of that shadow. Um, He's clearly... He's going to get paid a lot of money this offseason. He's going to be a mm-hmm. nice player. Like, he's, he's really good. He's been a big part of Phoenix's run this year. He, he's a bona fide, like, star big man at this point, and... Mm-hmm. He deserves all sorts of praise. Some people might argue that he's number two in that draft class still, ahead of Trey. Like, I think there's an argument for that, frankly. Ooh. Um, I would like I would, to hear it. Let, let, let me hear it, Chris. Well, why would, no, I, you, I wouldn't okay. personally argue it, but okay. I think there are people who would, um, depending I on... I mean... Nah, I can't see it. Depends it depends on I, team I, construction. I, yeah, I mean, I mean... I think... For what the Suns have, and obviously they have Chris Paul, so Young doesn't really make a lot of sense. But um, for what the Phoenix Suns are, Aiden makes a lot more sense than Young. Yeah, Aiden is a much better second or third piece. If you need a guy to like run the show, then it's obviously Trey. If you need like a go-to player, it's Trey. But Aiden is is really a tremendous complimentary talent who, as you said, has just done so many good things on both sides of the ball this year. Do you think spoken. he'll be an all-star in his career based off what you're saying in the playoffs? Do you think he can get an all-star bid in the West? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, the center position is not that deep. It's 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 Jokic and who else? <laughs> Joel. Um, well, I mean, Cat. Oh, in the West, I mean, Cat. Yeah, Cat, but Minnesota's in last place every year. Okay, what about Gobert? Gobert, like Davis. Do do guy. we count? Can can we can we count Davis as it? No, they usually have him as four, don't they? Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I mean. Those guys yeah. are all going to get older. Aiton's still only like 21, 22 years old. Yeah, so I think he's 22, yeah. It's well within reason that he could make an all-star game or two before he retires. Oh, yeah, I think that's possible. And I, I would that valid? <sighs> Man, okay, so for those listeners that don't know, I was very anti-Luca leading up to the 2018 draft, famously, sadly. Um I thought it was going to be a but you know I just I felt that type of hype and I just was I wasn't feeling Luca and I just I I wasn't sure if him even if he was going to be a point guard per se I wasn't sure if having two guards on the Suns that weren't good at defense because Booker was not at that time and Chris you know that having two perimeter guys that are ball dominant that weren't good defensively were going to work um and I liked Aiden. I, I, I'm a big man guy. I love big men. And what I saw from Aiden, I liked. And like European prospects are so tricky to figure out. And it's either like you okay. get. Luca was like slaughtering the EuroLeague at 17 years old. He wasn't that tricky to figure out. Like you I mean, find the footage. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, regardless, like I said, I mean. Luca's clearly number one in that draft. Trey Young's number two. Aiden's number three. And then after that, it's kind of a draw. I, I, what, Bagley's not even in the top. Is he even a first-round pick? Well, I guess he is still first-round pick, but he's not a lottery pick anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, Bagley's going to be out of the league in four years if he doesn't figure his crap out. <laughs> well, Bagley, okay, who, who else was five. good from that draft, though? I honestly can't think of anybody. Who, Kuzma? Was Kuzma in that draft? No, Kuzma was in the Lonzo draft, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in Lonzo draft. Who, who else was from that draft, Chris? I honest, w- Bridges? I'm going to pull it up. Um, yeah, that was the Bridges and Zaire Smith. Yeah, I mean, Bridges. <laughs> uh, let's not talk about that. That, that. that one still stings. But good for Bridges, you know. Good for Bridges. Oh gosh! Wonder if his mom quit after the Sixers traded him. Yeah, Did we I ever... mean, Jaron Jackson Jr., Colin Sexton, and Shea okay. Alexander, and Michael Porter. So there's some good names there. Okay, okay. So yeah, there are good names there. It's actually pretty loaded draft, and you can make the argument, oh, Michael Porter Jr. is better than Aiden. But I mean, Aiden's in the finals. Porter's not. I take Aiden over Porter every day of the week. Really. Twice on Sunday. I mean, look, Porter is is wonderful, and he is going to get better, but he he still clearly has a ways to go because he I, yeah. he got punked in the playoffs. Well, I mean, he was injured, but I will say this. I mean, it depends on how much more do you think Aiden can grow. Do you think he can be that solid number two scoring option to where he can score about twenty to twenty two points per game? I don't know. I don't know, but like, is but Rudy Porter Gobert, can be that number? But Gobert Porter has isn't that, and Rudy Gobert is one of the top twenty players in the league. So you can be I a agree. great player without being the number two scorer. 
But do you think he can be that elite of a defender? I don't. I don't know. I, I will say, but he's better offensively than Rudy, or more versatile. Yeah. So there, there's yeah. like a happy medium that you can find. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Remember when? Do you remember when uh, Joel was asked about Aiden and how his game was similar? And Joel was just like, "Don't, don't even bring that up to me." Yeah, but but I mean, and no, of course Aiden's not on Joel's level. But I mean, he's not any. He's not a scrub. He's not like what Andre Drummond and what you know Hasheen Whiteside. He wasn't those type of guys that Joel like you know bashed. Um, yeah. he, he's really good. Like, yeah. Case, and, and the, the main point here is that Aiton's a stud. So good yep. for him. He, he also seems like a really great, there was so much talk before the draft about whether he, you know, had the motor, whether he wanted it enough. What is person? He seems like such a delightful human being and he clearly works his tail off and you can attribute as much as you want to Chris Paul, but at, at some point it falls on the individual too. And it's just Aiton. Mm-hmm working his butt off to get better. He, he can take, a, he's clearly taken a lot from Chris Paul and learned a lot, but he deserves a ton of credit himself as an individual. And I'm really excited to see his career progress. For sure. And you know, we're talking about a lot, a lot about draft stuff, but let's shift gears and talk about this upcoming draft, particularly for the Sixers. The Sixers have the 28th pick. The draft is on July 29th. Chris, there's a lot of different mock drafts going around. We're going to jump into it and see who the Sixers pick in each one. So let's start with ESPN. It has, and you're going to, like I said, I don't really know much about these players. I'm not a draft guy, Chris. You're going to have to fill me in on some of these guys. I do know one of them, though. Um, So the first one is Quentin Grimes from Houston, and that's from ESPN. That's who ESPN has the Sixers taken. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about Quentin? Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into some of the similarities here. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of guards seem to be getting projected to the Sixers again. Grimes pretty much fits the mold of what you would expect. He's a great shooter, a really talented perimeter creator who, from all that I've read and seen reported, had a really standout performance at the Combine, showed more as a playmaker than maybe he got the chance to in college. But his main skill set is going to be shooting and that just ability to fill it up consistently from deep. And obviously the Sixers are can never have too many shooters. So I, I certainly think he's a name to watch because he seems to be popping up in a lot more first rounds as, as these mock drafts keep getting updated. Um, you know, the Combine is, is a place where draft stocks really start to get solidified. So if that's the direction he's trending, then that's the direction he's trending. So... Definitely a name to watch. For sure. Now, the next guy I definitely know about, and I'm going to talk about him, Chris. And that's, according to The Athletic, this, they have the Sixers getting West Virginia's Miles McBride. Now, our listeners are probably wondering, hey, how does Lucas know, know, know so much about Miles McBride? Let me tell you why, listeners. My dad and I are avid West Virginia fans, and I love me some Bobby Huggins. Bobby Huggins, of course, West Virginia alumni and current head coach. He, um, if you would would define, compare the West Virginia team to an NBA team, think about grit and grind, and that's pretty much West Virginia or Press Virginia, as they like to be called sometimes. Uh, current 
West Virginia players in the NBA is really just Javon Carter, but I mean, he's, he's a defensive ace. Um, Miles Bridges is in the similar fold, very good defender, um, really good, th- you know, all round score, not too much of a playmaker, but can play make. I kind of see him more of like an off ball three and D point guard type deal. Kind of maybe something not, maybe not as tenacious as Patrick Beverly, but something along those lines, maybe a little bit more depth at scoring because he can score more than from the three point line. He's, he is a three level scorer and really good defender. Um, so I would like that fit. Cause then you can kind of play him and Ben Simmons a little bit more together. I would say, um, but that's just my take. Anything else you want to add about McBride there or Deuce McBride as he's called at West Virginia? No, I mean, you make some great points. Uh, I like him quite a bit too. He, I haven't released my big board yet, but he's going to be in my top 30. I, I think he's a first round talent. You mentioned the defense. He's only like 6'3", 6'4", but he has really long arms and is, is quite mm-hmm. good at containing guys at the point of attack. Really aggressive and determined on that side of the ball. And he, he has a pretty nifty skill set on offense, too. Can run the show a bit, hit some threes. So I, I, I like the fit quite a bit as well. Uh, the Sixers have really quite a few guards on the roster, which has not always been the case recently. You know, we have Tyrese Maxey, George Hill, Seth Curry. All those guys are looking at minutes next year. Obviously, Ben, if he returns. I, if Ben mm-hmm. doesn't return, we're getting another guard back. So I will say I think McBride can play shooting guard. Yeah, so a, a, he doesn't, a lot of yeah. guards, but yeah. all these guys are guys who can play off-ball, who can play with other guards. Mm-hmm. George Hill, Maxi, Curry all played together this season, so there's mm-hmm. certainly a way to make it work. And then the next uh, the next major site is Bleacher Report, and they had the Sixers selecting Jared Butler. Do you want to go, uh, Baylor, do you want to give us some background on him? Yeah, I mean, look, Baylor won the national title. They're Butler was right up there with Davion Mitchell um, as the best players on that team. One of the best guards in college basketball. Really just a well-rounded skill set offensively. Ran the show at a very high level for Baylor. Can shoot the three ball. Can get to the rim and finish with finesse. And he's small. He's only about 6'2", 6'3". You know, not the tallest guy on the floor. But another pretty energetic defender who can handle his position well enough. And like a guy that I'm pretty confident, should he get cleared, he he has been had some health issues. Um, I believe the NBA is still reviewing his case as far as whether he'll be cleared to play in the NBA at all. But uh, assuming they do, and hopefully they do, fingers crossed, he's a guy that should be able to contribute right away. The Sixers are going to want a player who can contribute right away, I would assume. They're going for the championship. They need one now pieces, and Butler would certainly fit the bill. That's great to know. And then, Chris, do you want to tell us who you have? Partially because I know for a fact that will butcher his name. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had them selecting Illinois' Ayo Desunmu, um, another guy who was one of the better players in college basketball last season, an efficient three-level scorer, defender, a bit bigger than Jared Butler and Quentin Grimes, has, has some nice tools defensively. Not the best shooter on this list, but a very confident scorer and playmaker who has plenty of room to improve in the shooting department. And again, normally guys who are 
at the top of the NCAA or at the top for a reason. Desumu certainly has an NBA prototypical skill set, so I, I certainly think he's a name to watch towards the back end of the first round. That's fair enough. And yeah, I heard a, I think I heard some good things about him, so that's good. Um, so Chris, before we wrap this up, though, are there any other prospects besides a guard? And if there is another guard that you think we should keep an eye on, let let me know. But any other guards or any other prospects in particular that you think the Sixers should be looking at with this 28th pick? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of guards. I think Oregon's Chris Duarte, Tennessee's Jaden Springer. If they drop to that range or, or, or guys they should look at, Duarte's probably going to be the oldest guy selected in the first round. He's, but one of the best shooters in college basketball, played a big role at Oregon last season. Just a plug-and-play guy that the Sixers could certainly use. Jaden Springer has, has a very interesting skill set as well. As far as non-guards, I think, you know, Greg Brown is one of the best athletes in the draft. Very raw, very unpolished, played at Texas, but just a freak athlete. And he's forward. a big man, right? Yeah, big man. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, six eight-ish, probably. So more, more of a power. More of a power. Sorry, power. go ahead. Ideally, okay. yeah, but he would take a minute. But if the Sixers are, are confident that they're going to have the depth next year and they don't need this rookie to perform right away, Brown would make a lot of sense. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl played at Villanova down the street. Another plug-and-play guy who does a lot of good things. Six, eight, nine-ish. And defend all over the court. There's We've talked on you know earlier in the week about how the Sixers needed size on the wings when we were talking about free agents. So Robinson Earl would make a lot of sense. Um, if you wanted a backup center, there's North Carolina State Ron Sharp, who has been mocked in that range quite frequently. Just the big body throwback, burn protector, rebounder, a guy you'd probably like a lot, Lucas. Um, oh, so you, you know me. <laughs> yeah, those are the guys yeah. we should probably be keeping an eye on. Well, I, I, I honestly don't think... I mean, if the guard is the best player available, then go for it. But honestly, I'm I'm looking more at like power forwards and centers because like like Mike Scott's not coming back. Dwight maybe, but probably more as a third stringer. I mean, we need more depth in the front court now. The the back court is taken care of. I like what we have, and honestly, I. I think Joe could play next year and play an actual like rotational role because I think he's going to add a lot of muscle. I like jump shot as much as you do. What was that nickname on on basketball reference for him? Stroking Joe. Stroking Joe. Gosh, <laughs> I I can't wait. But um, so yeah, no. If we can get a big wing, which I think would be better in free agency, like Otto Porter Jr. Then you can focus on the power forward and center positions in the draft, you know, because yeah. let's look, none of this is mm-hmm. going to matter when B-Ball Paul and Isaiah Joe are playing 30 minutes a night next year. But until <laughs> we reach that point, uh, I mean, I like B-Ball Paul, too, but you need to have somebody else with him. I think I think because you I don't know. Do you think B-Ball Paul is a center or a power forward in the NBA? Uh, I, I mean, I think he's probably a center in Philadelphia. It probably depends on personnel, but I, I think ideally he's probably a smaller center. Small, okay, yeah, because he's what six nine. Yeah. 
Yeah, he he's going to be torn apart in some matchups. But if he's a willing three point shooter, then you can slide him over to four and get a bigger body center. Because mm-hmm. and I, you know either way, you can draft whichever one you think is a better position because. B-Ball Paul can play either war, and I like that idea. Um, just draft, and then Paul can, you know, fill in next to the guy in whichever position you need it to. Um, but, yeah, I, that's where I think it is. But I, I think we should go, because I feel like we wasted, not wasted, but we t- used a lot of our time to talk about the NBA Finals. I think we should jump to our next po- point, don't you, Chris? Yeah, so we're going to get into some more Ben Simmons hypotheticals. And more specifically, we're going to rank some of the names that have been tossed around on the internet these past few weeks. Um, disclaimer, these are not endorsements from the other team's perspective. Like last week on the podcast, I think we both agreed that the Thunder should not trade Shea Gilgis Alexander. Just because we're talking about it and other people are talking about it does not mean that we are confident that we can get Shea Gilders Alexander or that that's a smart deal for OKC. Um, this is an example, a, a disclaimer of sorts. Um, but I'm going to give you six names, Lucas, and I want you to rank them one through six, and then I'll give you my ranking, and uh-huh. naturally we'll probably disagree on a few points so we can talk them out. Um, okay. So the names are Zach Levine, Gordon Hayward, De'Aaron Fox, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Malcolm Brogdon, and CJ McCollum. Um, obviously, Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard not on this list because they'd be one and two in just about every same person's mind. So we're just not going to talk about them. But those six names, how would you rank them? Okay. So my number one, actually, let me go in reverse order. My number six, and this is not. Part of this is not just based off of skill, but based off of fit with Joel. So my number six is De'Aaron Fox. Number f- number five is Gordon Hayward. Number four, this is where it gets tricky now, Chris. I'm I'm gonna go. Hmm, I'm gonna go Malcolm Brogdon. Number three, Zach Levine. Actually, no, I take that back. Number three, C.J. McCollum. Number two, Zach Levine. And number one, S.G.A. All right. I like it. Um, I'm going to put Gordon Hayward at number six, personally, just because Fox is much younger, and I do think the Sixers could use a dynamic ball handler like Fox if they're going to trade Ben. Um, okay. But, yeah, I'll put Hayward six. My number five, obviously, these are all very good players who would all yeah be pretty great next to Joel. I, I'm going to put Brogdon five. Ooh, okay. Fox four, just because I have some faith in De'Aaron Fox. I I'm not. I, I'm a little worried about that jumper. I think he's a pretty neat player. I might be stupid. Um, Brogdon might help you more immediately next year. Uh. But, I mean, I think Fox is right on that level. So, I'm going to put Brockton, Brockton 5, Fox 4. My number 3 is going to be CJ. My number okay. 2 is going to be Zach Levine. And I just got to stick with the brand at this point. Shea is my number 1. Mm-hmm. Again, so we agree us, on the top 3. We agree on the top 3. Yeah. It's just the bottom 3. Okay. I think, 
I think Zach and CJ maybe fill a greater need on paper in that they're both super dynamic perimeter shooters mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that Shake isn't quite yet. But Shake can hit his share of threes too, and he's quite yeah. good with the ball in his hands. He, he's not. He's slower and does it in a maybe looks more awkward at times, but he does it at an extremely high level. He shot 41.8% from three last season, I think. Exactly. He's a good shooter. And and Chris, here's the other thing. TJ and Zach, as much as we love them, they're negative defenders. Yeah. Shea is a positive defender on top of all that, and he's a better playmaker than both of them. Yeah, and Shea is also 22 years old. You can't, yeah, you can't pass that. Like, I'd rather give up Ben than give up our bench. I'd rather keep the bench. I think there's a really strong argument that Shea is already a better player than CJ and Zach. He's only 22. He's a is much he a better, better player than Ben. He, it's up there. I, I'm right. It's, the, it's a real debate. It's a real debate, and I, I would love. I let me know when it comes out. I I'm would writing, love to read it. I'm give, I'm writing my top 100. I've made a few changes since my midseason, notably changes involving Ben, because we all know what happened in the playoffs, but. And it can't be ignored. It's definitely a debate. I, Shay is. I know Uriah. We're going to talk a bit about some of the problems that Uriah posed to us in private on the, this next section of our yeah. podcast. Uriah yeah. has some doubts. I know this, but Shay is a stud. Shay is yeah, you because because he's he's. I mean, he's not as okay. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. But Shay, I, I, I would say problems. his foot's yeah. been bothering him this year. He has plantar. To, to, to be fair, okay. To be fair, if if the Thunder were in a position to win, he would have came back. They're not trying to win, so he did not come back. That's that's what happened there. I do agree, but I do think there is a report that it's like still bothering him now. So is it is there? Of, okay. Yeah, it's it's a concern, but. It's not like Zach Levine and CJ McCollum have been injury averse their entire careers either. Uh, Zach uh, CJ had his worst. Yeah, and CJ, CJ had his worst season. Year. Yeah. Um. So. So so. One. Yeah. If they can get Shea by any miracle of God, I would very much enjoy it. I I would. Yeah. I'm trying to manifest it into the world. I mean, because me I could see the Thunder doing it. If they got the right amount of picks and young players, because they're just not... Uh, you had a trade, and correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it was a three-team trade that sent Ben to the Warriors, Wiggins plus the plus the, well, the seventh and fourteenth pick to the Thunder, then the, then the Sixers get Shea for for that, right? Is that right? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it involved the Sixers and the Warriors giving up some other picks, too, but... okay. Yeah, it was basically a three-teamer that had been in Golden State, Shea in Philly, and then Kimba also coming to Philly, Andrew Wiggins, and some other pieces going back to OKC. Can, can, can how would you do? You think we could get Kimba on top of Shea? Well, I mean, the thing with like Andrew Wiggins has a year shorter, a year less on his contract. He's a lot cheaper. He's five million a year cheaper for a oh, few not, years. Okay. Kimba, for some reason, I thought. Yeah. Anyway, go, go on. It was a bad contract, so yeah, be a contract dump for OKC. So I think you could hypothetically, if they're going to trade Shea, you could probably get Kimba too. 
or you can get Kimba without Shea easily, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'd do that. Like, Ben for Kimba and picks is probably not my jam, frankly. No, I wouldn't do... No, you'd, you'd ask for more than just Kimba. You'd have to get a third team involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. But, yeah, no, I mean... I wouldn't hate it. I mean, if you're you're not going to get Bradley Beal, he's not going anywhere. Dame, if he goes somewhere, it's probably not gonna, going to be until around the, sometime during next season because he's going to give it one more chance. I, I that's how that's what my gut feeling is. He's going to try to see what it looks like with Chauncey involved and in charge, and he'll see what the offseason moves are made. Which I just I don't feel like Portland's gonna make any big ones. Like I feel like I feel like Neil O'Shea's just gonna keep the same roster. I don't feel like he's I don't feel like he's gonna be brave enough to pull the trigger on something big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I mean, not to say that Neil O'Shea's bad, but let's let's go ahead. I'm glad that we got the top three agreed upon. The bottom three, you know, we could debate that, but Let's keep, you know, for now, I mean, because, like, I think for me, Brogdon was an all star this year. Gordon Hayward, if healthy, could have been an all star in the East. But, like, the mm-hmm. Aaron Fox had a great season. I just don't trust the jump shot next to Joel, and we don't need another point guard that can't really shoot that well. Well, look, he, well, he's like an above league average shooter, pretty much. And he shoots enough of them. He's not Ben. He would certainly space the floor more than Ben. There's only up. You can't get any worse. I mean, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could go for Draymond. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Draymond is a better shooter. <laughs> no, Draymond's a willing shooter. There's a difference. <laughs> and a better shooter. Like Maybe. The free throw line is all the evidence I need in that respect. Okay, fair enough. But let's, let's go ahead and move on here. Let's move on. Let's talk about future and versus president in terms of how the Sixers should uh, approach the trade market this this offseason. As you alluded to earlier, there was some debate on our Slack channel about, you know, what the Sixers should be willing to give up. If the opportunity presents itself to upgrade via trade, Chris, should Maxi and Thibel be on the block? Yeah, I think so. Um, Look, uh, you obviously don't trade Maxi and Thibault lightly, and it's not—you're not just throwing them around to throw them around. They're both very special talents, um, and unless it's a serious upgrade, unless it's like an avenue to a star or a near star level contributor, I'd probably hold off. I'm not trading Matisse for like a slightly better bench player mm-hmm. who is going to be out of the rotation in two years because he's old, like. These are not like marginal improvements that you're looking for, but if it's a star level player, like I know Uriah messaged both of us. He's like, You'd trade mm-hmm. Maxi Thibel and picks for Shea? Yes. Like, yes. Shea's, yes. Shea's a top 30 player, pretty much. Shea is a, a, a brilliant player. He's younger than Matisse. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Thibel, he is, again, I had him on first team all defense. He's, he, he played 20 minutes a game last year and had more steals than Ben and more blocks than Joel. He's a remarkable talent, but he is also playing 20 minutes a night for a reason. He's there's no reason to, he's not going to become an elite shooter unless 
something miraculous happens. He doesn't have any touch. His mechanics are bad. He might improve marginally, but it's not like he's great at the free throw line and he has this feather soft touch at the rim and there's like indicators of improvement. He's a bad shooter. That's just what he is. And as long as his other skills are not that well developed, which they aren't right now, he's going to be a liability on offense. Like Tony Allen was great. He was not untouchable on the trade block for Memphis or Boston or anyone. There's a ceiling for great defenders who don't do much on offense, especially in today's NBA, where frankly, great offense beats great defense every day of the week. So, like, like Seibel is not untouchable. Maxi is great, but he is not without his own flaws. And the Sixers have a very tight window, I would argue, with Joel and his health. And you're trying to do everything you can to win while Joel Embiid is at the top of his game. Thinking about the future is great. And you can't mortgage everything to go all in on one year because it's a risky proposition. Look at Brooklyn. Brooklyn probably wins one very likely before that core breaks up. But there's risk involved in trading the next eight years of first round picks for one player. Like if they can't get healthy and they don't win anything, that's a tough beat. So I I understand that there's risk involved. you got to. Be willing to give up Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel, who are not, like, the best prospects on planet Earth. They're great players in their role right now, and they're good prospects. They, they aren't that special. Like, I think we're, frankly, as a fan base, a bit over-infatuated with these two people. Like, plenty of teams have comparable or better prospects that they would happily trade for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Mm. Maxey is not one of the five best players from last year's draft, if I had to guess right now. I don't think he's that good yet. He's a top 10, though. He's in the top 10. He he might be, but he's not, like, going to be a 13-time All-Star or anything. Shea, no, could, no. Shea could make five or six, seven, eight All-Stars before he retires. If he goes to Philly next year, he's an All-Star. The Sixers are probably the one, two, or three seed again, and they're in a much better position come playoff time because I trust Shea mm-hmm. way more than I trust Ben in the playoffs. Shea has already done it. Versus Houston last year with OKC next to CP3. He he looked good. OKC didn't win the series, but they took Houston to seven games. And Shea played quite well. Mm -hmm. There's evidence that Shea can do it. So if you get a good player, if you're getting Shea Gilders Alexander, if you're getting someone like De'Aaron Fox, Gordon Hayward, whoever, and you're not giving up Ben Simmons, would I trade Maxi and Thibel to get that kind of player? Yes, I would. So... So let's yeah let's let's just do that real quick quick Chris let's go down the list that we just did before and you tell me if you say yes or no for Tyrese and Matisse trade for that player without involving I, Ben without involving Ben okay the only one the only one I balked on is Hayward I mean obviously contracts don't really match up like it's financially not feasible mm-hmm. yeah without Ben or Tobias for the most part or well maybe mm-hmm. it is if you put George Hill together. With Seth George Curry, Hill, Danny Green. Danny Green. It, it probably is feasible, actually. So I think Gordon's making around 30 mil a year. Yeah, so look, I would trade Matisse, Maxi, and at least a pick or two, probably, for everyone on that list. If it's Matisse, Maxi, Hill, Seth, and you get Malcolm Brogdon, I'm tempted to do it. I don't know if I'd, like, I... I, I, I don't... I don't... I'd, I'd, I'd rather keep Seth. I'd rather send yeah. George Hill. Once and... you start throwing other rotation pieces into the mix, it gets 
dicier. But like in a yeah. vacuum, what I trade Matisse and Maxi by themselves for those guys, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean it's fair, and I mean I'm torn on it too because like you know me, I love Maxi. I think he can be an all star. I think he should be starting next year if they don't trade for a point guard. Um, Matisse, I've said this before, he's a jump shot away from being one of the you know best defenders in the NBA because he'll get the start then um, and get action, get the stats to back up how good he is. Um, that being said, I mean, in, uh, who was it that said it in our group's chat? Was it Matt? Somebody said that, you know, we all said this about Ben, Markel, Zaire, that they're all jump shot away and they never got there. Um, there's a yeah. good chance that, yeah. Who, who Look, said that? I, I don't remember. I think it was Matt. Um, but I'll like, look it up real quick. Again, Feibold, what evidence is there that his jumper is going to improve? The mechanics are weird and inconsistent and not mechanically sound. He has zero touch. His misses are bad misses. There, there's no tangible evidence that he's, he has like some bright future as a shooter and that we're just waiting on him to get there. Obviously, things can change. Guys can improve. He can change those mechanics. But he's a ways away from being a guy that defenses care about on the three-point line. Like, he's nowhere near there. He Mm. might shoot 33-34% one season. He might even have, like, a year where he gets hot and goes for, like, 35% at the league average or whatever. But he's not a good shooter. He's not someone that defenses are going to care about in the playoffs. And until that happens... He's inherently very limited, especially in the playoffs when defenses can key in on stuff like that. And that just gives them an extra body to throw at Joel. So I don't take the idea of trading them lightly. I think they're both great prospects and they're both great pieces to have on the team right now. But if the right move makes itself available, like if it's Ben, Maxi, and Thibault and pieces for Dame... I'm not getting hung oh, yeah. up on Tyrese Maxey. You or, do it, yeah. Yeah, you do what you got to do. There's a line that you have to cross eventually because they're just they're not all world prospects. They're good. They're really interesting players, but they mm-hmm. aren't untouchable. They're they're just not that good, frankly. I like yeah, if we were to no. go look at other rosters. Atlanta is a contender that has better young guys than Maxi and Thibault. Okongwu and Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter, man. Than Tyrese Maxi. I'd take I, Herter and Okongwu over Maxi and Thibault tomorrow. I don't know about Okongwu, like, but let me tell you something. Maybe not for Herter. specifically because you haven't beat. But like, yeah. as in a vacuum, those are better prospects and better young pieces than Maxi and Thibault. I, oh, well, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I don't know about Okongwu, but Herter, gosh, he hmm. is. He was a steal from that draft. What what pick was he? He was a first rounder. He was the nineteenth pick. That's a steal. It, it is a steal, but like there are other teams that are going to want second or third stars that have better prospects. You can't get hung up on Maxi. Like the rumor that the Sixers, one of the reasons they didn't get James Harden was because they got hung up on Maxi. If that's the truth, then like Daryl, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> That would be stupid. That that would be the dumbest thing Maury has done in his career is not getting James Harden because he got hung up on Tyrese Maxey. 
Like Kyle Lowry on an expiring deal, we can talk about it. Like he would have been nice. We might be in the finals right now, but we can talk about it. But if James yeah. Harden, if the thing keeping you from James Harden is Tyrese Maxey, then you're a fool. Uh, to be you're, fair, you're, I think the thing that we're stopping the Sixers from getting James Harden was Tillman Fertitta. Oh, no, I agree. I don't think Maury's an idiot. Yeah. But if that was true, then maybe I'm wrong. That would be like an Elton Brand level of stupid to get hung up. I mean, technically, him. Elton's still in the front office. so it, He is. Uh, and yeah. ownership is has their say, too, I'm sure. But yeah. I, I don't know, man. I do know this that in regards to, I mean, yeah, they have a really good. I think they do have good trade value in the NBA. I think if you attach them to either like Mate, I mean, to Ben or Tobias, it will get you an All Star level player returned. Maybe even a, a upper tier All Star level player. I, I, you know, you could like you said about Dame. Yeah, you could get Dame for Ben. Matisse and Maxi plus picks. Yeah, that they they have that type of value. They have that type of pool because you know. Let's be like I said. I think Maxi can be an all star, and Matisse, if that jump shot ever does come, he's one of the best. Def, you know, defenders. I mean, he's going to get recognized as one of the best defenders in the NBA because he he can play more and get more stats. I mean, because let's be real, people care about counting stats. Not fair, but it is what it is. And yeah, even but, without those counting stats, he was still second team All NBA. So I mean, there's he, he he's no scrub. But I will say this: if you give up Ben and Matisse, you lose a lot of perimeter defense right there. Oh, I agree. And, and again, I want to yeah. emphasize that, like, I I don't actively want to trade these two people. Like they are. Mm-hmm. Very good prospects, very good players right now at this very moment. Like, they're, yeah. they're delightful. Tyrese Maxey clearly works his butt off and is going to get better. And yeah. that work ethic alone is reason to believe that he's going to be a very good player. Thibel, mm-hmm. again, is probably one of the five or six most gifted defenders on planet Earth right now at this very moment, mm-hmm. as is. Of course, you want to keep them around. But if the opportunity comes to add another star... Who will get you closer in the short term to a championship while Joel is in his prime? You've hamstrung yourself in free agency with that Tobias contract. There are not many other avenues to getting better outside the trade market. So if it comes down to, you know, you give up Maxi and you get Zach Levine, or you don't and you ride out with Tyrese Maxi, I'm sorry, I'll take Zach Levine and I'll try to win the championship while Joel's around. And if you don't, and Maxi goes on, and he's an all-star in Chicago, and the Sixers flame out in the second round. Like, like, okay, you tried and you messed up, but like, you got to go for it. It's now or, or never. It's Embiid's not going to hold up forever. He's not. I, I, I give him a max five more years. You've given him four years of early exits at this point. It's, yeah. You just got to try to do something, and. Mm-hmm. You're going to get other first-round picks in the future. you got other young talent on the roster, albeit not as good, but you have guys who can play. I think Isaiah Joe can play. Like You got, you have the pieces to, to make up for the loss of Tyrese Maxey if you're getting another star in return. So, mm-hmm. Agreed. And I want to make these two points. One, 
I'm looking at Maxi and I'm looking at Drew Holiday. I think if Maxi keeps on developing defensively, I, I see some similarities. I see some similarities there and I like it. Yeah. Um, and in regards to Matisse, and Chris, I know you don't agree with this, but I think he's a top five pick if you redraft that, his draft class. I think he's number five. Maybe yeah, I mean, maybe six, but I you know top five or six player in that draft. I think that's fair to say at this point. Well, and I, I mean, I think again, my one concern there is that he just doesn't do anything on offense, and I think I I, I get that. But like you where know, the league is right now, you it's hard to have guys who defenses can ignore entirely. I mean, if uh, you if you okay, it depends on how your team is built. Well, look, I, 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 if you have right if you have. Four other shooters on your team, you can afford to have one non-shooter. Okay. Oh, I, I agree. But yeah, and if he, especially if your big man is more of a stretch guy, like say for example, if he was on the Timberwolves, he would be much better option than Josh. Oh, what is his name? Okay. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I think that's another part of it, right? Is that that's a great point. Fibel may never reach his ceiling in Philly. Like that's great and. But we're talking about the Sixers, and if you're mm-hmm. building around Joel Embiid, it's tough to have a non-shooter on the floor. So even if he would be better somewhere else, and even if in the right context he's a top-five pick from that class, that's not the context that he's in in Philly. So that has to be taken into account. Okay, fair enough. Fair and enough. Like, but you I, get I what I'm up, saying, though. I, I do. I pulled up that class, though. Like Zion, Ja, RJ, yeah, DeAndre Hunter, yeah. Darius Garland, PJ Washington, you have, Tyler Hero. You have some good. I, well, I think he's better than PJ, but okay. I take and Tyler Hero. I, I don't know. Tyler Hero did not look great this postseason. I, I don't know about mm-hmm. that. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. dropped. 50 if, 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 if I mean, if if he can get his attitude together, sure. But right now, if we're redrafting, you know, that attitude is definitely would hurt his draft status. I agree. I mean, like, but Chumo Keki is going to be really good. There, Brandon Clark could be really good. There, there are other good prospects who are on that level. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying I, just for me personally. I I see him as a top five. I would argue I me you could you can bring him into this top six or seven, but I see it as a top five. And I mean, I understand that this is not a weak class. I mean, yes, Zion and Ja are the the pinnacle of this class, obviously, but this is a this ended up being a very deep class. I love DeAndre Hunter. I didn't think it was a good pick at the time. I thought they kind of reached for him. But you know what? He's proving me wrong. He is a two-way wing that has a, the potential. I, I kind of see Hunter as, tell me if I'm wrong, kind of like a Luol Dang type of player. If where he has my he, brother, he's baby Kawhi. But nah, nah, that's I not. I think Luol Dang is a much more reasonable comparison. You know, two-way player. Around 18 points per game, maybe 20 points one season. But you know, he's one of those type of guys that I I love Lou all day. I mean, you've heard me talk about how much I love Lou all day. He was one of my favorite players growing up. But that being said, I mean, and you got some Brandon Clark. He's gonna. I think he would be a starter on you know good portion yeah, of look, teams. Kobe White, Jackson Hayes, Ruby Hachimura, Cam Reddish. Cam Johnson, who's kicking butt in the finals right now. These are all guys. Cam Johnson is a better player than Matisse right now, and he shoots mm. the lights out. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, my, my point is that I will, I will 
the argument can be made that he's top five pick in this redraft. I'm not saying that it's the best argument, but it is an argument that could be made. It is based an argument. Off- but my point is, is that Thibel is not that special. He's not like in the echelon of prospects to where you're turning down all stars. Oh no, no, definitely not. And same thing with Maxi. Yeah, Maxi might, might, Maxi might, might, Maxi might be an all star. I mean, we both said that at the beginning of the season, correct? He could yeah, be an all star in the future. But right now, he's not it, and you need to maximize Joel's window. Yeah. And who exactly. knows? Maybe, and maybe, maybe Maxi could be an all star next season. Who knows? We don't know what type of jump he's going to make because he's already talking the next day during uh, exit interviews. He was talking about coming in on that Friday to do the start working out. So. I agree, but it's the same thing with like Matisse and the fit, right? Maxi might yeah. be an all star one day. Is he going to be an all star in Philly while Joel, Tobias, and maybe Ben are here? Probably. I not. mean, so I he, mean, I could I could see him leapfrogging Tobias if Ben's not there. I I could see him getting the touches because Tobias isn't like a touch heavy type of guy. He's a low usage type of guy in terms of he gets the ball, he makes a decision, that's it. He, he we both agree that he's not a you know a dribble the ball a lot. That's Maxi. Maxi's that guy. Maybe. It, like, that's fair. It's generous, but I think it's fair. But even mm-hmm. then, I think our main point is pretty clear. Like, you know, he might, I think, like I said, I think Maxi's ceiling's like a Drew Holiday type of guy. Well, I, I think that's. Drew, Drew's built on defense. Maxi's not. I mean, I mean, offensively, like maybe Malcolm Brogdon, Drew Holiday, the. I think he's I much think, more in the like deer and fox lane. Where he's just super quick and gets where he wants and picks you apart. I, I think he's good defensively. I mean, he's learning from Matisse. I mean, he's, he's already fine, doing this. But he's six two. That's <sighs> the issue. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I, I, Chris, I think I think we've beaten this horse enough. Let's let's go ahead and you play us out, man. <laughs> yeah. So to our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. To yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast, you can listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or you can listen and leave a comment on our website at thesixersense.com. We encourage you to keep tuning in, and we will keep feeding you the Sixers content that you want talking about this team as we mentioned the nba draft is right around the corner and then right after that is free agency with all the bin stuff that is happening there's going to be plenty to talk about all summer so stick around early next week we will be right back at it talking six years and we will talk to you then so thanks everyone Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.